We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Welcome to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters with Patricia Rosatello, Daniel McCrane, and Jennifer Glass. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. On today's program, we are going to be talking about how to succeed in business. And I don't mean the show How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. While that was a great movie and a good show, um, what we are looking at today, though, is there are so many things that somebody uh, needs to really look at in terms of starting their business and trying to succeed. Now, a lot of business owners go into business and they're good at something, but they're not good all over the place, right? You see commercials for companies that will incorporate your entity or will organize is probably a better way to put it. Um, whatever form that takes. There are ads for different services that a business may need. But ultimately, though, what a business is going to be doing is a business is going to be looking at what they know, what they do, where they go as their piece of expertise. And they do not ultimately look at the, what is it that is going to make that difference. But let me ask you, uh, Daniel and Patricia, if you were starting over in your business, what would be the first thing that you would do in your business to set you up in that right footing to better succeed in business? And we are trying here. What you got, Patricia? Go ahead. Try to unmute here. <laughs> I would sit down and look at what it was I thought I was going to do, who my market was going to be, um, and basically do at least a rudimentary market analysis. Is there going to be enough? Um, is the market large enough? Are there enough people or businesses, whoever I'm targeting, right? Are there enough of those? And is the market growing, um, declining, or somewhere in the middle? So is that basically your SWOT analysis, your strength, weakness, opportunity, threat? Or is that something that you wouldn't do to start yet? No, that'd be more of a market analysis, I think. Yeah. Um, the SWOT analysis would come next. 
<laughs> if not at the same time, but it's certainly important. Right. I mean, if you think about the market analysis, you want to see where the um, strengths are. And by the way, one thing for everybody listening that is here in the United States anyway, um, you don't need to spend a lot of money to do a lot of this market research. Reach out to your local small business development center because they have access through the University of Texas system. All the SBDC uh, centers across the country um, use the resources to help you come up with some demographics in your business. So if you're looking at opening up a pizza shop, they can tell you how many pizza shops are in an area, how many people are likely going to be going, things along those lines, and give you some sort of rudimentary, at least, information where you can then base that, where do you want to open, right? If you're thinking about opening, before you even talk to the realtor to get your space, go to the SBDC and get their help. And if you do need assistance, let me know because I am an ambassador for the Small Business Development Center and can get that introduction done for you so that you can move forward. But, Daniel, let me ask you, though, what would you do if you were starting over in your business? What would you do to help put it on the right footing? Well, let me go ahead and add to what both you and Patricia have already said. Uh, you've both given some great places to begin. Um, you have to start with an understanding of who your market is, what your demographics are, and, and everything that you've already mentioned. So beyond that, then uh, to get started with things, uh, what I always tell people who are starting new businesses who come to me is uh, you really just have one job as you're getting started here. And that is to make sales as fast as possible before your business capital, your startup capital runs out. And that's really what it comes down to. So it, by whatever means it takes, uh, so whether that's making phone calls, whether that's uh, going door to door, doing drop-ins in other businesses, if you're selling to business, uh, your number one job is to make sales to replace your startup capital. And from there, <laughs> then I guess we can talk about, well, how would you do that? Uh, because that, that could be a, a whole topic of conversation in and of itself. And one thing just to piggyback on what you were just saying, Daniel, is remember MVP, minimum viable product. Too many of us get carried off focus because we think we need everything working right now for us to be in a position that we can say, well, yeah, we can do X, Y, and Z. Well, you know what? Your clients are not going to be looking at everything in the very beginning. If you answer what their needs are, if they have a problem and you've got the solution or they're searching for the solution that you have, that is going to be what's important. So don't worry about spending money creating that perfect logo and the perfect looking website and everything else because you're spending that money, like Daniel was just saying, your startup capital on things that are not going to bend the needle or move the needle in terms of where you're going to be going, right? You want to make sure 
that you really have clear focus. And that is, I think, even more important because if you lose focus and clarity on what it is it that you're trying to do, you're going to end up going off track and then you're going to get carried into a million other rabbit holes that are going to take you away from your core focus and make you start paying attention to, well, am I putting the right design on this? Well, if you're selling clothing, yeah, design is important. If you're selling plumbing supplies, I guarantee you design is not important. Nobody's looking behind the walls. And then let me chime in also and say uh, to the point that you're just making there, Jennifer, about uh, not worrying so much about building a brand or anything. Uh, let me also say that uh, I know of a company here in town that was actually into the second generation before they decided to get serious about creating a specific sales process. And so as you're starting your company, let me say uh, your, your number one job is to make those sales. What you're actually doing is you're trying to think future forward. You're trying to figure out what's working so that you can create a process that you can do over and over and over again. And so let me also hasten to say too, that, you know, you can build a business even without that process. This one uh, business I'm aware of second generation owner uh, had been running the business for a number of years already before he realized, you know what, maybe we should actually have a process for this around here. <laughs> Systems and processes are good, but uh, you obviously want to try and do that. There are going to be those exceptions to the rule, like Dana was just saying, in terms of getting somebody to see that. But um, let me ask you, though, Patricia, there's so many different ways that we can look at what we need to do. At what point would you recommend somebody officially organize, legally speaking, and how does that differ from the, well, I'm going to operate as a sole proprietor or looking at it in an official capacity that the state recognizes me as an organized entity in terms of getting that to go through? And the answer is as soon as possible, typically. Um, a lot of people that I talk to say, well, I don't have enough revenue yet. It's not about revenue. It's about protecting assets. So you have assets that you want to protect, which include your personal assets, your business assets, and you really want to start that as early as possible. If you're, I use the metaphor of building a house. So we're, we're stick building a house on site. Do we start with the roof? And then we build the walls. And when we have enough house there, then we put a foundation in. Typically not. We typically put the foundation in so that we can build the walls. So then we can build the roof. And I see so many people who build their business backwards. And what they're really doing is putting their assets at risk. So let me ask you, if you had somebody whose business is, uh, whose business is, in the um, t-shirt market, would you recommend the same thing if they were going to uh, go to flea markets 
and sell their t-shirts at the flea market, would you say that they had to be as concerned? Because a lot of people are going to think, well, what assets am I really protecting, right? Um, I have the t-shirts that I make. They're my designs. Mm-hmm. Um, or I have um, the uh, jewelry business, whatever it may be. There's so much in terms of what we have that is, out there, are you going to recommend the same organized as early as possible? Or would there be a certain revenue point that would make a difference? Or would it be in the event the t-shirt turns out it's flammable, that that would then be able to protect you? So um, how would you counsel someone? Because a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, well, you know what? If I'm going to be going into a business like plumbing or I'm going to be going into someone's house, yeah, there's assets that I need to protect because as we spoke about in uh, past episodes, people complain about everything. But if I'm going to farmer's markets or I'm selling on a website or Etsy or whatever it is and I'm just selling T-shirts, do I really need to incorporate or organize legally according to the state? Because there's obviously costs involved in doing that with the state. And depending on the state you're in, there's annual fees just to maintain that um, filing. Like I know here in New Jersey, there's a minimum corporate business tax. There's um, annual filing fees. There's all sorts of fees. So what would it be in terms of looking at it in that perspective, um, uh, how you would counsel them? Absolutely. So the first issue is that if you're a sole proprietor, you are going to be paying really high taxes on your, on your profits. Um, And so just from that perspective alone, you're going to save money on your taxes if you are organized correctly. Um, Perspective number two is that the only requisite for a lawsuit seems to be that a person is in business. So anybody could walk into any business and say, I'm suing you, even though it's completely frivolous even though it eventually gets thrown out of court because it's frivolous. But now you have invested all of this energy and time and money into dealing with this huge annoyance in your business. And you haven't been able to use that emotional energy, just, just energy really. And business takes a lot of energy. Um, and time and money into your business. And I've seen businesses that completely, they had to fold because of a frivolous lawsuit. Going off target, but still going with the organization. If I have a business and I am going to organize it, 
very often the state as part of that process makes me say purpose of organizing. So would I say specific to what I'm doing today or would I say be in business? You know, what would I tell the state in terms of what I'm doing? Because today I may be making T-shirts and tomorrow I may be moving into other clothing and next year I may be moving into producing tech because it's no longer just about clothing. So, you know, am I going to have to update my incorporation or organization papers with the state? Am I going to upfront say any legal business? What would I even do? Because a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, well, I want to make my hobby into a business, right? Especially after last year, a lot of us came up with new hobbies because we were stuck in the house for so long. And so we think, as you see in some of the ads on television these days, um, let's make our hobby into an actual business. And so are you going to make that the stated organizational purpose? Or is there some way that you can stretch that to have it be more without having to go through the process multiple times to dissolve the entity, reorganize, and go from there? Well, and that's where <clears throat> that's where a good advisor comes in to be invaluable because they can advise on this, you know, in your specific situation. Typically, what we do is we take whatever it is that you're doing and we kind of generalize it. So it's not as specific as, a, you know, pub making um, doing T-shirts. Um, <clears throat> we might you know, pull the focus out a ways so that you can incorporate, you know, other fashion items or maybe merchandising as a, you know, purpose of the business. Um, at the same time, sometimes, <coughs> my apologies, I just, <coughs> at the same time, sometimes, you want to do things that are diverse enough that you need another arm on your business. So while you might not dissolve the first one, you might add a second one or a third one. So now you're merchandising fashion stuff, but you also have a publishing arm. Um, maybe you decide that you're going to sell insurance too. <laughs> So now you've got an insurance business. It just depends on what it is that you choose to do. Okay, so Daniel, let me ask you, as wait, we look wait, at- I just want to say, uh, yes, I would love to have an insurance t-shirt. Yes, I think that's what you should do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, hey, nationwide on your side, um, we need some swag here. Um, why not? We just gave you a huge uh, plug on our program. Um, anyway, so let's look at it this way. So very often as we're looking at success in business, 
we are moving past the initial phase where we research the market, we figured out what is it that we want to do, we uh, move forward a little bit in terms of getting a couple of sales, things along those lines. And now I need to be in a position where I need to start looking at bringing in people to work with me to help me continue growing the business. So I'm going to turn to our leadership residential expert, and that is our good friend Daniel here. But Daniel, let me ask you, putting aside leadership traits, and I think that could be an excellent topic for a future um, episode, but what would be some of the things that maybe I should be looking for that would help me find people to compliment me in the business or make up for aspects that I don't have good skills in to help me grow? Because if I hire somebody who's just like me, is that going to be good? Or do I want somebody who's opposite to help me grow? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great question, Jennifer. And let me also say too, um, you, you started this question by saying, okay, now I'm starting to grow a little bit and I'm reaching the point where I need to bring some new people in. And uh, let me address, first of all, an important point here that as a leader, one of the important things you need to do is in your job title as leader is you need to be able to make decisions. And so we'll get into this a little bit about uh, who you're going to bring in. In order to make decisions, you need to be well-informed. And one of the whole points of this entire podcast, everything, this whole series, everything we talk about is increasing your business acumen. The more that you know about business, the better decisions you can make. This is how you will be able to provide leadership to your business to help it grow. So this is how you get to the point now where you're, you're ready to bring in additional people because you've got more business that's coming in than you can handle by yourself. So I did want to address that point and say, even from a leadership perspective, there is value in increasing your business acumen, your understanding of business. So yes, now let's talk about how do you get those people? Who do you want to bring in and how do you attract them? Uh, and definitely here in the Midwest, I, I believe this is also true uh, across the entire country. Um, trying to find people <laughs> to work in your business is a real issue. It, it's a real problem right now. Uh, so first of all, uh, what I do with my clients when we talk about adding another body is we sit down and we talk about what are the tasks that you would give to this person. So we begin our conversation by talking about delegation. If you're the solopreneur and now you're going to bring somebody in to help you, what are those things that you do that you would be able and also willing to pass off to this other person. So do a little bit of a task analysis and figure out what can you offload into this other position. Also important to leadership, it's good to have really clearly defined roles and responsibilities. And this is gonna be important. If you're gonna be now the leader in your business, being the leader of people, you need to have specific roles and responsibilities that are yours alone. 
And if you offload those tasks to somebody else that you're bringing in, now those roles and responsibilities potentially are theirs and theirs alone. And you need to have clearly defined roles and responsibilities. Then once you know that, now we can get into another part of your question was, uh, who do I want there then? Do I want another clone of me? Or do I want someone who can offset my weaknesses and, and be a, a strong player in that role in and of itself? And that's where that task analysis can really help with that. It can help lead to the right kind of person that you want to put in that position. So kind of a long-winded answer there, but I hope I covered everything. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and unfortunately, you cut out for a little bit um, somehow. Oh, no. as you were starting that answer, but we, uh, I hope, got the gist. So let me ask you guys, if we're looking at the perspective of how we're moving, and maybe we're not looking at bringing in people to work for us, but we're looking at a partner in the business, is a partner going to be a way to help us guarantee success or is a partner going to be someone that can potentially ultimately undermine our success? You know, obviously, if we're looking at money and we need a partner because of capital, that's a great use of partnership. If it's somebody that's going to, again, augment what we do, can be beneficial. But let me throw it out to both of you. Is a partner going to make that difference in our business? Because a lot of our listeners may be thinking, I know this and somebody knows that. Um, I mean, a perfect example is I'm currently involved with um, two business partners in another venture. And our first venture, unfortunately, ultimately ended up collapsing because of COVID. We were looking at doing a cryptocurrency um, system and it ultimately ended up collapsing because of COVID and another company who was stronger ended up taking that and building it. And so these same partners, we started looking at another area, but is a partnership going to be the best way to guarantee success? Is it a possible way to guarantee success? Is there a downside in a partnership? I'll throw that to you to start, Patricia. Well, there's always upsides and downsides. You know, with a partnership, you can bring people who bring in people that have different skill sets and like, you know, completely different skill sets. Um, they have different assets. They have different resources. And from that point of view, it can be, you know, a good thing. Um, like with my uh, contractor program, I'll be bringing in people that have skill sets that I have, you know, <laughs> no business touching myself. <laughs> you mean and you're not so taking the hammer and doing something? I'm sorry? You're not taking the hammer and knocking in a nail or two? You don't want to see me hammering. And I certainly won't be doing oh, we'll just any get of that Patricia in front of anybody that's got skill at that. <laughs> I'm terrible when it yeah, comes to Yeah, we're just going to gonna have you jackhammering on all the projects from now on. That's going to oh, be your no, new no, job. Oh, no, 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 no. 
I, I'm a much more skilled as a deconstructionist rather than construction. Yeah. <laughs> is that with food or is that with just general stuff? <laughs> Anything. Deconstruction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. The downside is that you need to be careful of the business structure that you use when you partner with these people. If you set up with something like a general partnership, they can, you know, run up some huge astronomical size bill. They can go and get in all kinds of legal trouble and then they can disappear and leave you holding the bag. So from a structure point of view, you know, plan ahead and limit your liability with this partner. So what a limited liability company, an LLC, for that partnership, would that be the way to go? Would we want to be looking at an incorporated entity as opposed to an LLC? I mean, we've spoken about some of the differences in terms of the various types of organizational structures, but would there be a difference in that partner in terms of looking at that? Or obviously as a sole proprietor, we have two people as a partnership. Like you said, there can be a lot of issues, but if we make that limited liability company, are we protecting the same assets in the same way? Or is that going to still not necessarily answer at that point? Um, so my initial answer would be yes, an LLC. Um, I would probably consult with my specialists who know more about this before I came back with, you know, a real specific answer. And then my third part of my answer is it depends. <laughs> I would assume. It's all an individual case basis. It is. It is. I would start out with the LLC as my template, though. Okay, so at least if we're looking at it from that perspective, looking at it with the LLC to at least protect your assets would be a good way to start. But let me ask you, Daniel, taking on a partner comes with so many challenges, right? There's going to be potential personality challenges. You may know somebody as a good friend today, and you're going for coffee, you're going for beers, depending if you're a guy or girl, you know, not to say that one can't go for the other two, but traditionally guys are going to go for the beers, women are going to go for the coffees, um, <clears throat> you know, hey, I'm sexist, what am I saying? Um, but anyway, so looking at it though, from the perspective of, I know this person outside of a professional relationship, or I know this person professionally, but I don't know them so intimately to the point that I know them so well. You know, the uh, partners that I mentioned, um, one of them, he and I know each other professionally from before, where he had an IT company, and in my payment processing and coaching business, we worked together for a couple of clients. But what is it that is going to really show, yeah, we're a good match 
in a new venture that you don't know how somebody's going to be. So there's a lot of challenges that can come in there, but you need leadership in terms of being in a position to really set it out. But if your partners, aren't you both leaders? <laughs> I suppose it depends on how you uh, choose to divide up the roles and responsibilities again, and, and as well as how you choose to structure your partnership. Are you going to be 50-50 partners? Are you unequal partners in the business? Uh, but to take a step back, you were talking about knowing someone uh, outside of business, uh, maybe even in a, a friendship capacity or something like that. I would say if you are going to take on a partner, uh, first and foremost, you need to make sure that there is synergy uh, between the two of you. And we could talk about multiple kinds of synergy. Uh, you need to know that there's going to be synergy uh, between you personality wise. Uh, you mentioned that also, Jennifer. And you need to know that you're going to be able to get along. You also need to have synergy in your work styles. You need to have synergy in the resources that you bring to the table. I'm thinking of now like on uh, Shark Tank, when they go to Shark Tank, right? They give their pitch. Uh, they're looking for something. They're looking to bring on a, a certain amount of partnership, but not just that cash infusion. They're also looking for synergy of what other, you know, what's missing in our business. And if they get multiple offers, which of the sharks who are making these offers are going to be a good partner with us. So synergy is going to be a huge part of deciding to take on a partner. I'm also thinking now of a, a couple of companies again here locally uh, I, they were not competitors. I'm not going to say that, uh, but they did something similar. Uh, they worked with similar uh, customers. They did similar service, but they were actually not direct competitors. Well, these two business owners got to meet each other. And over the course of a couple of years of talking, you know, going to the same networking events and everything, realized that between the two of them, they had a lot of personal synergy. Then they started looking at their businesses and realized that if they would actually merge and combine their businesses, they would end up being able to offer additional services to the same customers. And, you know, it, it was a situation of one plus one equals three. And so they decided to merge and become a partnership and uh, they're doing quite well. So taking on that partner, that's really what it comes down to is, uh, do you have that kind of synergy between you and your businesses. So it's a world of miniaturized M&A, uh, mergers and acquisitions, that we're talking about because really your due diligence is going to be important in terms of making sure that somebody is going to be an ideal partner uh, for you in your business. So just to throw a comment out there because you mentioned Shark Tank or the Dragons then, whatever kind of program there is where you are, a lot of times people are going into those shows with a specific investor in mind, right? A specific shark, a specific dragon um, that they have in mind. If they're looking at tech, they may be looking at Robert Herkovec, they may be looking at Mark Cuban. If they're looking at... Um, a royalty deal, they may be looking at Mr. Wonderful or Uncle Wonderful, depending how you want to call him. Um, Kevin O'Leary is definitely good in a lot of those kinds of deals. If you want to go the infomercial route, you know, Lori is incredible at that. Um, so there's a lot of things that 
are out there in terms of these kinds of options. And when you do apply to be on those shows, you know exactly who your ideal investor is going to be with the strengths that they're going to be bringing. So sometimes it is, I need tech expertise. And so Mark Cuban is going to be where I want to go. Or sometimes it is, I want to get into, you know, the sporting world, the entertainment world. And Mark Cuban can again be the ideal choice because as the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, he's got that in with those entities. Whereas Barbara, right? Barbara Corcoran is great at what she does, but probably doesn't have as great connections into the sporting world as she does into the real estate world. And so there's a lot of those differences that we're looking at. And so with a partner, again, you want to look at what is it that you need in your business, right? Is it simply money? And if it is simply money, is that something that instead of giving up equity in your business, you can look at how various financial loans or lines of credit or merchant cash advances even, if that's the last resort, are available to you before you give up equity? That becomes one of those questions. Is it you need somebody to take some of the work off of you? Can it be an employee instead of a partner? Right? There's a lot of these questions that are going to come into play. How do I want to actually protect my ultimate value in the business? Right? When we start a business, not many of us go into business thinking we want to only make a dollar. We go in, we want to make that million dollars. You talk to any business owner, any starting entrepreneur, the first number you're going to hear them say is, I want to make a million bucks, right? There's a song, if I had a million dollars, right? <clears throat> because everyone looks at that as that magic number. I guarantee you, though, nobody is saying if I had a million rupees. Nobody is saying if I had a million lira, right? Because, hey, you know what? How much is that actually worth? So the value is not the same. But if you look at the what is it that you're looking for and you're looking at bringing in that strategic person into your business, then a partner can make a lot of sense, right? But do you need that strategic person to be vested in your business or can you give them advisory shares in your business? Can you, and when I say advisory shares, just to quickly explain, you have equity and you have advisory shares, right? Equity means I actually own a piece of the business. Advisory shares means that I have value of the business, but I don't own any piece of the business. So if the business is sold, those advisory shares do not get anything for it. Equity does. So you can look at people in an advisory role and an advisory share perspective instead of bringing them in in equity, right? So if you're looking for that strategic advisor, and I'm looking here as a coach or consultant, 
right? Do I, as a coach, want to vest in somebody's business? Probably not, right? Because I don't want to take their business away. So as a business owner out there, you're thinking I need to grow. Before you look at a partner, look at what is it that you need that partner really for because there's a lot of times giving up equity is not the answer, right? And we just covered a couple of different ways. You can pay a coach. You can give advisory shares to somebody to work with you without having to necessarily do anything more. And, of course, employees and uh, things along those lines. And then, again, there's the idea of mergers, right? I mean, sometimes it just comes down to I need to be part of this world where I have somebody that there's an obvious logical fit and coming in. So as we look at wrapping up part one of how to succeed in business with trying, um, let me ask you guys, what is your um, biggest hope? because I don't want to do a takeaway yet, because there's a lot more we are going to be covering. Um, Like Daniel was saying, the whole point of the podcast is to help you develop and build your business acumen and knowledge and um, success, right? We end every show with to your success. So let me ask you guys, though, what is the biggest hope that you have for our listeners as they embark on the journey of entrepreneurship, of business, and their own success? I would hope that uh, out of each of these podcast episodes that we do, that someone who's listening finds at least one golden nugget that they can take away, that they can add to their business, and it will result in greater profit, greater revenue, or greater business growth. I love how you saw that golden nugget. Patricia? Well, Daniel pretty much said it all. (laughs) That's the whole point of what we're doing here. Go, Daniel. So my hope is that as you're listening, Obviously, there's these nuggets, right, that you're hopefully picking up on. And a lot of times we're talking in our podcasts, and it will immediately trigger something in my mind that I will have to make a note. I have to look at this. I know that we've covered so many episodes over the last two years in terms of What is it that we're looking at with uh, business growth? What is it that we're looking at with success? But it's not just these nuggets. You have to remember, if you don't act on it, the nugget is not enough just to get. As a speaker, very often people rush the uh, stage or the back table, depending where it is, what I'm doing, And they want to tell me, I got 20 pages of notes from your presentation. That's great. But if you're not doing anything with it, what was the point of you being here for the last X number of time, right? X amount of time. 
you want to make sure that you're taking action, but you also want to make sure that you're looking at the risks and the benefits of that action too, right? We spoke about how you start your business. Are you starting your business from the perspective of knowing what the market is like? Or are you starting your business with, I'm going to create a new wheel and hope the market's going to buy, right? To go back to Shark Tank, as Kevin O'Leary says, build a better mousetrap, right? If you have that, are you going to be better? But how are you going to know if you don't know what your market's going to actually do? So that's what I'm hoping that you're all going to take away from uh, today as where my hope is, that you're going to get the ideas. You're going to have a couple of things percolating up there, and you're going to have greater clarity, greater focus, greater options, and know what you know and know what you don't know, right? One of the greatest skills that somebody can have is to know where their skills end and know where to get people that are going to be complimenting you and augmenting what is it that you are lacking. And that is my hope to help you get to your success. So for Daniel, Patricia, and I, have a wonderful rest of your day. And here is to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews. So if you loved what you just heard, consider leaving us a review. And even if you don't, I'm sure you already did, but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Sharing is caring and here's to your success. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. It's the bottom line that matters.